John 14, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I sorry, believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Thank you all. So uh, before we get into uh, exploring this passage and these concepts of God being our Father, we just want to treat our VIDs again, so our very important dads. We've got some crew at the back, so if you're in a very, uh, very important dad section, you will also get uh, choc tops or ice creams, okay, as we prepare to get into the sermon. So the uh, Turbo Kids are coming down, uh, and they're going to do that. So while they do that, I found this little clip uh, that we're going to show this video which is just a little bit of a, a chuckle for us uh, as dads. So if we go to this video and we'll watch that as the... Uh I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy, super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey, hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm. <laughs> vomit we just really need to spoil these kids more sorry buddy i don't know any good jokes at all 
You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Money really does grow on trees. <laughs> we love you, dads. We have the Mickey taken out of us a bit. <laughs> I just heard someone over there say, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, as I was uh, thinking of this sermon and uh, wrestling with Father's Day, I was wrestling with a title for the sermon so I first I thought it was going to be fa like father like son but then I thought uh, it's probably got too many negative connotations to it and then I thought well what about daughters so we went to the uh, like father like daughter and we thought no no we won't go that one so I've just gone for a bit of a generic uh, one a bit more generic which we've gone for uh, the love of the father rather than um, sons or daughters uh, in preparation uh, for Father's Day, I'd been um, reading uh, some of John. I'd sort of known in my head that um, there's passages of John, sort of the John sort of 13 through 17, where Jesus uh, talks about his father and uh, explains um, his relationship with his father with his disciples. But probably it, it has struck me, it, it's caught me off guard actually at how much he talks about his father in, um, in these passages. And I did a brief count in the four or five chapters there. He, count, he mentions his father over 50 times. Um, and these are the last, last hours that he's spending with his disciples. So this is just before he goes to the cross and he's spending uh, this time with his disciples. And there's this uh, sense that Jesus is going to extraordinary lengths to let his disciples know how he relates to his father and how they are to relate to the, him, um, uh, to, to his father as well. And that the relationship that he has with his father is what he wants for his disciples to have uh, with his father. And that through him and through the Holy Spirit, uh, that they have access to that same intimacy that he does uh, with his father. And... Uh, it's the passages, if you read through these, and I encourage you to have a read through them uh, this week, especially dads, uh, through John 13 through 17. And it starts to get a little bit weird because, and, and a little bit hard to get our heads around a bit, because Jesus starts to talk to his disciples as if he's the father. So he actually, he calls them in uh, 13, 13, he says, children, I will only be with you a little bit longer. And later on in uh, 14, verse 18, he starts to say to them, I'm going to my father, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And uh, right through these chapters, uh, Jesus uh, sort of reiterates that he and his father are one, that he is God. And this is where, um, and Coraline, when she was having a read through this, she said, oh, it's amazing how this passage talks so much about the Trinity. And this, this sort of happens so that when we are talking about God as Father, we get that um, 
that weird mix that God expresses himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's who he is. He's the three in one. And that uh, often we get those sort of things uh, mixed up. Um, and we know this, don't we? Because we do this all the time. It's, it's interesting. I sometimes listen to people pray and they'll start off talking to Jesus. and They'll say, dear Jesus, uh, we thank you that you're our loving Father and you, uh, we ask Holy Spirit... And we, we flick between, we call Jesus Father. We actually start to refer to Jesus as Father. Um, we often refer to the Father as Jesus uh, in our prayers. You, if, if you look at, listen to what you do, uh, you, you'll do this. And that's uh, the nature of serving a God who is three in one, who, who shows himself and reveals himself as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And you'll notice in these passages uh, too, not just uh, he's talking about Father and Son, but the role of the Holy Spirit this and that the Holy Spirit is uh, the key person that reveals to the disciples, that convicts the disciples, reminds the disciples of who God is and how they can relate to him uh, as a father. And so that's uh, what I want to capture for us this morning uh, and I'm probably sort of mostly directing this uh, to our fathers um, but it sort of applies to us uh, as well, doesn't it? Any uh, children uh, of God. And that um, I want us to leave here today with this understanding of what Jesus was trying to do with his disciples. And I think what he wants to do with us today as we're gathered here in this room is that we would be captured by the closeness of the relationship that we can have with our Father God that we can call him dad, that the God who created all things, that called all things into being, who knows the names of the stars, has placed them in place, that knows the extremes, uh, reaches, the far reaches of the universe, the one who knows the most intimate little strand of your DNA, who is beyond understanding, beyond comprehension, says, you can call me dad. I love you, I want to be with you, walk with me, talk with me, live life with me. And I think in this passage, in these passages, we almost get Jesus' desperation. He's, he's desperate that the disciples get this. You have to understand and you have to know and be able to operate and live in this, uh, this, uh, this relationship that you are the child of the living God and you can call him dad and he loves you like the perfect father. And he says that in, uh, in his prayer in John 17 where this sort of passage ends. He says, I've made, he's praying, he's actually praying for us, praying for anyone. He's, and Jesus says, I have made you, that's the father, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them. He's saying, this, this relationship I have with my Father, the intimacy, everything that you've seen and experienced in this relationship, it's yours. You have that same relationship. Live that way. You have access to the Father, the creator of the universe, the same way I do. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? We have access to the creator God, to the Father God, the same way Jesus did. Think about the things that Jesus did, how he lived, how he operated uh, in this life. And I think I, I, um, I talked about this at the beginning of the year, that um, when we were looking at who God is, 
um, that God chooses him to re reveal himself to us as the perfect father. I think back then, uh, what we do need to do is we need to do, we need to have, um, what's that word? That's an adjective, isn't it? Before it, the, the perfect father. He needs to be the perfect father because we recognise that our fathers on earth are not perfect. And for various ranges of the spectrum, we have broken, messed up fathers. And so even though we do get some understanding of fatherhood from them, it is no way perfect. And so we have to do the translation. We have to have that God is the perfect father. We always have to think of him as a perfect father. Think what a perfect father would look like. And don't let the distortion of our own fathers change the idea of what the perfect father would look like. And I found that a really helpful thing. I've been processing my own thing. What does it mean? What would it mean? for What would the perfect father do in this situation? What would the perfect father do here? How would the perfect father talk to me in this situation? What's his... So, even though we're very important dads, <laughs> we're not perfect. And so, uh, I think two things. It makes us recognise our own brokenness um, and it also um, makes us realise the importance of seeking to display God as best we can to our children and to those around us as dads. And so I think this is what Jesus is doing as he's sending his disciples out to the world and as we're thinking about this, that this love of the Father, this relationship that we have with the Father God is to overflow into the world. And as, as he says it a lot through these passages, is that I'm sending you out into the world now. And so I want you to understand this Father's love because it's got to overflow uh, into the world. It's got to overflow into your families with your sons and daughters it's got to overflow into the way you relate to your father and honour him and serve him. It's got to relate to those in the world who are living as orphans, who don't know a father, those who are spiritual orphans as well as physical orphans. And we see, um, we get this glimpse, and I think we see this as we go through the Gospels, that this father delights in his son. I was thinking this week, just when he was baptised, remember the voice from heaven as Jesus was baptised? He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I think I, I picked up early on in the year that this is a God, this is a father who delights in his kids. And, we, and I said to you, and I went to extreme measures to point out that God doesn't love you because of what you do. He loves you because of who you are. He loves you because you're his son and his daughter. And, I've, and, I've, and I heard someone teach on this, and I think it's really that as parents, often we have a deeper love and affection for our kids when they do wrong than when they do right. Think about when your kids do wrong against you and rebel against you, your heart almost breaks for them to wish that it was different, to wish that it was restored, the relationship. And so think of that even for ourselves. Even no, far, no matter how far we've rebelled, we've broken, we've messed up, this loving Father, he aches for us. He longs to embrace us in our arms and to hold us and to say, that's how much I love you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's who you are. Come walk with me. Talk with me. And as the disciples... Um, get this teaching through these chapters but they've also seen jesus live this out 
uh, over the th- last three years, Jesus has shown the disciples um, what uh, living in a relationship with his Father is like. Ooh, we've only got two. Uh, it says obey, pray, and there's actually a third one, which is um, being with. So three things that I think um, express or allow us to express this relationship with our Father that Jesus shows us. is One is obedience. Jesus continually says to his disciples, I've only come to do what my Father has told me. I'm only here to do my Father's will. I, I'm obeying him. Um, even to the point where it's going to kill him. Remember when he says, my Father, it's your will, not my will. I'm going to obey you even to the cross. And it's amazing, like I said in these passages, how Jesus emphasizes this whole idea is that, um, and even in the prayer it captures, he says, God, I've revealed you to my disciples so that the world may know that you love them. So he's now sending out his, he's saying, I want them to know this relationship so that they can now live this out in the world. And so obedience for us is means that we're the sent ones now. We're the ones that have to display this fatherly love to our children. Um, we have to display it to the world, uh, the way that we love others, the way we love our wives, the way we love our neighbours, the way we love our enemies to reflect this fatherly love that has been lavished on us. We are on his mission. Do we understand that, dads? Do we understand that our families are the ones on mission? That our father has sent us on a mission to display him to the world. And we think about that and we ask, God, help me to do that with my kids, with my sons, with my daughters. For us as a family, as a whole, to engage our neighbours, our friends, our work colleagues, so that they may know the intimacy of this relation. Remember how desperate Jesus was for them to know what a relationship you can have with God. And he says it a number of times in there. He says it, um, that I will be in them and you in me. And there's this, there's this sense that Jesus and the Father are one. So think about how close that is. And then Jesus is saying, that's what I want for my disciples. And when the Holy Spirit comes in you, that's what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. He's wanting to unite you to his Father in that intimacy of love. And so we obey him as we um, seek to reveal him in our families, our situations. And there's no rocket science in this. Um... How do we obey? Well, we need to know what our Father says. We've got a letter from our Father, and that's the Bible. The Bible tells us and shows us uh, how to live out um, following our Father. But the beauty thing, uh, the beautiful thing is, and this passage is so ramped up with it, and the Bible is so ramped up with it, is that you can't do that by yourself, and He's going to empower you to do that. And He's going to give you your spirit. And the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and all those things, they're going to be to you. Spirit of power and of courage. Spirit of the ability to be able to step up when you don't think that you've got what it takes. He says, that's what I'm giving you, so that the world will know what sort of loving and perfect father I am. He said, I want you, you know, think of the, um, the Great Commission. This is the obedience thing. I want them to teach, teach them to obey. 
that's you know the whole discipleship thing we've been talking about with our kids uh, with our families with others and then um, it's interesting in this this idea of obedience and Jesus demonstrates this obedience because at the beginning of this passage John chapter 13 you know John chapter 13 Jesus it says it starts off like this and now Jesus showed them the full extent of his love what did he do after that line he got off from around the table and he became a servant. He put the towel around his waist and he went to his disciples and he washed their feet. This is obedience for us as dads to display our fatherly love is to be servants. Servants of our family, servants of the people to show the full extent of our father's love. The other thing that Jesus uh, demonstrates is that he is in constant communication with his father. Right through the Gospels, we get the sense that he's praying continuously. Uh, there seems to be this sort of listening and talking with his father. Uh, as he chooses his disciples, he goes up onto the hill to, to meet with his father. As he's preparing for the cross, he goes and he meets with his father. Um, there's this sense of um, that Jesus is constantly connecting with his father, um, saying, Give, and I, I thought this was amazing, give me the power to do this. As he goes to the cross, give me the strength to do this. Give me the wisdom to, in, to do this. And the Spirit uh, helps him to do that. And I was thinking about that for us as dads and as, as, as followers of Jesus, followers of our Father. How are we walking and talking? And this constant, and, I, and Paul's onto this, isn't he? So he said, pray continuously in all your days, uh, you know, in your workplace. Are you asking God to help you with whatever you're doing? It might be some plumbing or it might be an engineering thing or it might be a marketing thing. Are you talking to your father and saying, help me to do that the best I can? Uh, as you're interacting with your work colleagues, help me to be more peaceful and gentle and kind. Help me to be more loving father. Help me to be a bolder father. Help me to be... And it's this constant talking to his father saying, help me, help me... Uh, What's your will here? Where am I going? Uh, help me to die to myself. Help me to be a servant. And this constant practice of connecting with my father, it's almost like Joel started us off in that Philippians passage, isn't it? With prayer and petition and with thanksgiving. That prayer and the idea of petition is repeating it. There's this idea that, remember, the Lord is near, so just pray continuously. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Because it's our, we've got the Father in heaven that responds to the cries of his people. Uh, keep talking and walking with him. And then uh, the third one is that Jesus takes time to be alone with his Father. So he takes time out from his schedules and he gets away from the disciples, he gets away from the crowds, he gets away uh, from his family and he has one-on-one -on -one time with his, family, uh, with his Father. And I think... So we have this conversational relationship, but then there's also that formal side. Where do you take time out just to be with your father? You, Jesus modelled this to his disciples, to us. I mean, he gets up early in the morning, uh, the best time of the day, unless you're a night person, which there are many of us that are. So maybe it's late at night for you. And that silence at night or that silence in the morning of just being with our Father and connecting with Him and praying with Him in a more sort of formal, almost intense sort of way. He gets up, remember Jesus gets up into the hills 
When was the last time you got up into the hills, you got away from it, you got out into nature, away from the crowds, away from your routine to connect with him? The other place he does it is in his father's house. Remember, my, my father's house is a place of prayer. And he goes to his father's house and that's a place where, even though there's a crowd, I, I find this happens when we sing. And so there's a crowd, we're singing together, but yet there's this personal connection that we have with our father. He says, I want you to be in that place. I want you to connect with me in that way because you can. I love you and I desire to have you as my children and walk with you as my children. And so Jesus gives us that example to follow. He was the perfect child son and we can sort of follow in that. And I think Paul grasps this as he says, um, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think that's the same. We follow Christ and we can say that to our own kids, uh, to our own people as well. But also, uh, Paul understands this and, and goes on to this, is that, um, that we, um, that is through Jesus, that he becomes the means by which we become perfect children. So Jesus' uh, life, death, resurrection is what makes us right with God so that there is nothing that separates us from our loving Father. There is no sin, there is no, um, uh, that we're spotless before him now so that we can go to the Father with full confidence that Jesus' life, death and resurrection have made it a way for us to connect with our Father in this way. That we have, as I said, a very important dad in heaven and he's for us and wants us walking with him and talking with him. And then we remember that as Jesus ascended to heaven, that the Holy Spirit came down. And this is the thing, this is the beauty of the gospel, is that that relationship is empowered by the Spirit. And Paul says to us, keep in step with the Spirit. Be attuned to the Spirit. Know the Spirit because he's going to teach you and convict you of your fatherly love. And Paul uh, captures this, I think, when he writes Romans 8. And for me, Romans 8 is one of the most amazing chapters in the Bible. I think it gets to the, whole, the, the heart of, uh, of, of the gospel. In Romans chapter 8, in, in the first 14 verses, he points out that Jesus' life, death and resurrection is what deals with our sin, that gives us victory over our enemy and makes us right with God. And then at verse 14, it says, all of that happened so that you may be called sons of God so that you may be called the children of God. And we have a spirit that confirms that in that intimate relationship that we have with him. And as I've said numerous times, so much in John 14 to 16 is this Holy Spirit comes and he connects us to his Father. And remember what it will do? In those chapters, he says, the Holy Spirit will actually convict you of sin. He will, he will help you recognize how you've broken your father's commands. But he'll also convict you of righteousness in Christ, of Christ's love. He will also, the Holy Spirit will come and teach and remind and empower you and show you the love. And the end of Romans chapter 8, it's that beautiful passage where the Spirit will come in and the, by the Spirit we will be able to cry out, Abba, Father. I think I said this in the sermon early on in the year. Uh, Tim Keller says, you know, we often say Abba, Father. We, we say Abba means dad. He goes a bit further and says that it's probably dada. It's probably that sense where the, the, the infant can't even speak yet. And yet this father holds that infant in his arms, 
and we can cry, Dada. There's nothing that hinders us from that perfect love relationship that we have with our Father. And think what that means for us. Think of the protection. Think of the provision. Think of uh, the empowering, the enabling that God gives to us as his children. Between God, the creator of the universe, and us. So don't believe the satanic lie that is perpetuated throughout the earth that God is some grumpy old man up there just wanting to correct you and make your life less joyful and keep pulling you back into line. Now the truth of the gospel is that you have a loving father who is perfect and is pursuing you to the ends of the earth no matter what you do to him. He says, turn to me, know my love, experience my love. Ask for my power in that. And as he finishes off and he says, he reminds us that we then are children or we are heirs. And they are, we're recipients of the blessing, co-heirs with Christ. So we're brothers and sisters, that sort of language starts to get in here. But we are co-heirs, so we've got every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it says here at the end, um, as we uh, know this, um, that we are heirs and we've got every spiritual blessing, and it says that we will sh- suffer, sorry, we will share in his suffering but also in his glory. We know this reality, don't we? Because on this earth, we suffer and we suffer much. Because this earth is not, you know, Satan is like a roaring lion still. But even in that suffering, we can experience this love of the Father. This love of the Father whose kingdom is coming on the earth. We are seeing the impacts of it on the earth. But we, we do know the reality that we'll have suffering in that. And think what a perfect, loving father does to a child who's suffering. He comes and he embraces and he loves and he secures and he assures. I think the other beautiful picture that we get here is that we're co-heirs and he puts those children into a family. A family where there's love, support, encouragement, teaching as well. And as Jesus uh, reminds his disciples, remember, I'm going ahead and I've prepared a place for you in my father's house. It's a mansion. (laughs) It's been secured and assured. And he reminds dads, he reminds his followers, invest there. Not in the things of this world, because the things of this world, moth and rust will destroy. But invest in that kingdom place to know where your father is taking you to that home where you will live with him in perfection forever. So today, very important dads, fill up on the Father's love. And like Jesus said to his disciples when he washed their feet, what did he say at the end of that? Go and do likewise. And these passages where he's displaying and, and, and reminding his disciples of how, the, how much the Father loves him and how, how he's displayed that love. And then he says to his disciples, he says to us, go and do likewise. Go and do it with your wives. Go and do it with your children. Go and do it with the people he places in your path. Display this perfectly, uh, this Father's perfect love. And so dads, as you go from here, as we think about what it means, I think it's know and show. You've got to know this. Believe it to be true. 
and we've got to remind ourselves all the time because we're constantly forgetting that. We've got to remind each other that, to know it, know that this is true. This is how God loves you. This is the extent of his love. This is how he values you and views you. And then he says, I want you now to go and show that. Because you are a very important dad and you have a very important dad. Go and display him to the world.